Hi, this is Philip Holland, host of Hope for the Day. I'm so excited that you are listening and you have this to look forward to from today's message. You know, some of you, um, some of you, you have more money than you can spend. You just add up the interest and, and you figure out where your bills are. You'll never be able to spend the money you have. And, and when that's you, what I want to encourage you with or challenge you with is, is that you got to reflect and evaluate and examine what are you going to do with that? And how can you use some of that to honor God? Welcome to Hope for the Day with Pastor Philip Holland. In psychology, there's a concept known as a keystone habit. A keystone habit is a habitual behavior which influences numerous areas of our life without being directly connected to them. For example, studies have shown that if you exercise regularly, you will spend less money. If you make your bed in the morning, you will have a more productive day. Why is that? Because those behaviors are keystone habits. What is the greatest keystone habit that is sure to improve every area of our life? Well, the answer is not a what, it's a who. The who is Jesus. If we make it a habit to have Jesus in our lives, He will influence every area of our life for the better. He is the ultimate keystone habit. In the series, Jesus And, we will be exploring how Jesus can influence different areas of our lives. We will tackle topics like Jesus in our possessions, Jesus in our generosity, Jesus in our voting, Jesus and our church, Jesus in our government. We hope this series encourages you to experience the change that Jesus wants to make in your life. And that's where this man goes wrong. And so then Jesus uses this as an opportunity to teach on this. And this is what Jesus responds with, actually. He says, if you learned what Jesus, and this is what he's going to respond with. But let me, let me just ask you this question. If you learn what Jesus says about money is different than how you handle it, would you be willing to make the sacrifices and changes that he wants? I mean, you know, as we talk about this subject, as we're bringing this topic to Jesus, we've got to ask the question, would we be willing to allow him to influence this particular area of our life? And this is what Jesus said to the man. Who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Who, who appointed me to do this? Who asked me to do this? He's saying that there are certain laws of the land that, that I'm going to let them run their course. But Jesus uses this, again, as a great opportunity to speak into this area of our lives. And he tells this story that we're going to break down. Then he said to them all, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed, because there's all kinds of greed that's out there. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. And then he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, this is what I'll do. Place, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And, and so he sets a pretty good example to us. He's been very prosperous. Things have gone well for him. Many of you have been very prosperous. Things have gone well for you. Some of you live in this, uh, this area of our particular city of South Denver, and you've been able to benefit uh, from prosperity. You haven't even done anything. Maybe you just bought a house 10 years ago, and so now you have hundreds of thousands of dollars in equity that you've earned just by living in your home. 
And, and that's amazing. Good for you. And so you've been prosperous. Some of you have been promoted in positions. Some of you have been able to work up that ladder in your company. And so you're prospering. Some of you have maybe inherited money. Some of you have been given money and, and you're being prosperous. And so what, what exactly are we supposed to do with all of that? Like we've been very prosperous just like this man. And he sets a, he's setting a good example for us. He's saying, I'm going to store up some of this. I'm going I'm to hold on to some of this. And he's setting us an example to say that there needs to be a plan. There needs to be some intentionality. And with that being said, I want to expand our horizons a little bit beyond just what's happening in this story. And we're going to look at a few other verses in the Bible. And as we look at a few of these other verses, I want us to just think about, you know, what it is that we can do with some of that prosperity that we have experienced. You know, so what is some practical advice about money for us from the Bible? Well, one thing is I think that we need to give God 10% of our income. So let's just start here. Give God. Like we, we, we're pretty good at giving to ourselves or giving to a credit card company or giving to the government or giving to some sort of investment company that, that is managing our finances. But I don't know if we're that good at giving to God. Like we need to make him the priority. And then, and then I say 10% of, of your income. That we want to give God what it is that that standard is that he's asking of us. I'm going to jump ahead here from this slide. I'm going I'm to come back to that in a moment. I'm going to read to you from Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will f- be filled with over, to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. And he says, so honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits. So you want to give to God. And then it's a bit of a mystery it's hard to entirely explain it, but I mean, I could easily fill up the stage with people that would come to you and they would say, you know, God has done more with the 90% than I could have ever done with 100%. And, and they can just tell you story after story of God providing for them, of being blessed by them, by God, being, getting favor, of being provided for. They can tell you story after story after story of these people that, that have experienced that in a variety, of different, a variety of different ways. Now I'll come back to that point. Why 10%? Well, in the Old Testament, that was seemingly the standard. That was the tithe standard to give back to the Lord, that 10%. It, and I love that standard, frankly, because it's not so much that, that, that your life is compromised, that you're really going to have to worry about losing a house um, you know, your electricity is going to get turned off. It's, it's not so much that that really should be a factor if you're managing your finances properly, but it's, it's just enough though, that it's going to guide you and direct you in how it is that you should, how it is that you should manage your finances. It keeps your priorities where they ought to be. It, it'll keep you from overextending yourself with the house, overextending yourself with some type of maybe a second home or vacations or, uh, other types of toys that you may want. It may, it's just enough to kind of keep you from the bad decisions, um, but, but it's, it's not so much that you just, that you're still like your whole life is compromised. And so in the Old Testament, that was the standard and as you, from the law. And so as you come into the New Testament, that's not necessarily endorsed. And Jesus said he didn't come to abolish the law, but he came to fulfill the law. And the way that we have always viewed that, being my home and I, Laura and I, the way we have viewed that is that if God, God's standard, if he gave us the law and the standard was 10%, and now he's given us so much more in Jesus then, then shouldn't, we, shouldn't we think that we should ought to give back more to him? 
And so that's what we have done. We, we've said, well, if he's given us Jesus, then, um, then we're going we're gonna to use that 10% as a baseline. And so through the years, we've gradually, slowly increased a little bit here and a little bit there to give back to the Lord and give back to his purposes and, and to be able to honor him with our finances. Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. Our mission is to offer you hope through Christ-centered biblical preaching. We certainly hope this broadcast is doing just that for you today. You might not know this, but each of these sermons are recorded live at Valley View Christian Church in the Denver metropolitan area. If you live in the city, we would love to meet you in person. We offer Sunday services at 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have programming for children of all ages, dynamic worship, plenty of opportunities to get connected beyond Sundays, outreach initiatives, and much, much more. And do you want to know why we do all that we do? Because so much of our church leadership has had their life changed by a local church. Because it is here that we met Jesus, and He changed our lives. And we want Jesus to change your life as well. So attend a service at Valley View Christian Church. We'd love to meet you personally. We're located just south of Highlands Ranch off of Highway 85 Santa Fe. You can go to our church's website, valleyviewcc.com, for more information. Now let's get back to our program. And in the Bible, that 10 number, it's, it's often, often correlated with a test. I don't know if you've known this or noticed this, but, you know, the 10 commandments are kind of a test. And the 10 plagues were a test for Pharaoh. And then in the book of Revelation, what you find is that there is going to be a, a season of trials that's going to, a season of testing for Christians that's going to last for 10 days. And this idea of testing is connected with this number 10 and what I found, though, what studies are telling us, though, statistics are teaching us, is that we're not passing this test. And this is where this slide comes in, is that right now, you know, if you make an income of under $15,000, according to this is 2006 data, so I would actually argue that these numbers are a little high now. But this data says that you're going to give about 10% of your income. If you're in this branch, if you're $15,000, $29,000, you're still going to give on average about 10,000, 10% of your income, a few thousand dollars. But then guess what? When you make more, you never give more. In fact, people give less. And then when you're in this range of 30 to 50,000 ish, you're giving 6% on average, 50,000 to almost 100,000, it's 3%. And then whenever you're 100,000 to 200,000, you're at 2%. 200,000 to 250,000, it's at 2%. And, I would, and again, I would argue these numbers are, are high, are really high. And I was just kind of running the numbers myself just with our local church community. And, and I know some of you may not be a part of our church community and we're excited that you're connecting with us on here. Um, but, but I was just thinking with our church community and, and we have 200 plus families that are part of our church. There's really probably more, but approximately that. And, and just given the, the average per capita income here in our county. So we have a, what the impact would make if, if everybody in our church were to, to tithe. Um, it, would be, it would be off the charts, the difference that we can make. You see, uh, we would go from a budget of about 1.3 million, which is good and it manages our operations and allows us to do some, some good outreach. But if, if everybody, in our fam- everybody in our church family were to tithe, that, that would increase to around 22 to $23 million, probably more than that if everybody tithed. And at that point, when you have that type of a budget, let, let, me, let me help you understand here what's going to happen is that we would prioritize paying people's medical bills. 
um, we would be able to send people on mission trips. Nobody would ever have to pay for a mission trip again. We would just send them on mission trips and we would get you going places domestically, internationally to impact the world. Um, you know, we would be doing incredible things in our city. We would probably be pouring into other churches, into urban areas. We would be giving back more. I mean, it would just be incredible the difference that we could make if we tithed. I mean, it would be unbelievable what would happen. And that's the thing that we got to catch here is that amazing things happen when God's people contribute and give back to God's causes. And so we go on here in the next verse in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24, it says, One man gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. And again, I, I, can't, I can't quite explain it. There's a certain mystery to it. But again, I could fill this stage with people who would come to you and they would say, God will do more with my 90%, with that 90% than I could ever do with 100% on my own. And so we need to be giving back to God. And, and so what we see here is that we need to give 10%. The next thing the Bible teaches us is that we need to ad attack debt. Um, and when I say attack, I mean, you're proactive, you're aggressive, you're going after debt. You're not going to be reactive. If you're reactive to debt, there's going to be a compounding interest that actually works against you. And you're not going to be able to get out of that particular debt. Um, the, an ABC News uh, study said that, that young people today are spending $1,600 more a year than uh, they make. And the Bible says this in the Good News Bible. Proverbs 21, 20, it says, stupid people <laughs> spend it as fast as they get it. Stupid people spend it as fast as they get it. Now, so if they spend, if you're stupid and you spend it as fast as you get it, what is it if you, you spend it before you get it? I, I don't know what that is. I don't even know if I want to know what that is, but it's not good. And so we got to attack debt. I know of a pastor who became a bit frustrated at his family's debt load. And so he came home one day and he, he looked at the mortgage, he looked at the car payments, he looked at the credit card bills, and he just said, we're not going to live like this anymore. We're going to do something about this. And they made some major changes, significant changes in their lives. And he said, we're not going on vacation. They made a decision. No more vacations. They're cutting back on birthday presents and, and, and Christmas presents. He said, every extra dollar we get, we're going to give a little bit to God. The rest of it goes to pay off debt. And, he, and they aggressively cut back on their life. No cable, no eating out. All of those things were gone from their lives. And they did this for about three or four years. Maybe it's three to five years, somewhere in that range. And then they were able to pay off all of their debt because he got serious about attacking the debt. And now, as he would say, he said, I have more money than we could ever spend. I have more money than we could ever spend. And it was because he was willing to attack his debt. The third thing is that we need to accumulate little by little. It's a bit concerning that 25% of Americans think that the best way to get wealthy is to play the lottery. <laughs> and that's not the case at all. We should not be doing that. The Bible says this, money that comes easily disappears quickly, but money that is gathered little by little will grow. I, I might've told you about this, but if I, if I haven't, I'm gonna, if I did, I apologize. But if I haven't, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you this 
about this sink I had in my home, it, um, which I fixed, by, which has been fixed, by the way. But the sink had a little drip to it. And so every five to ten seconds, uh, there would be a drip that would come out of the sink. And I just got curious one day. I, thought, I just asked my, I just wondered, you know, I wonder how much water is actually coming out of that. How much is that drip adding up to? It's just this little drip. It's not a lot. And then I came back, like, so I put a cup under it. And I came back four hours later, five hours later, and the cup was full. It was actually beginning to flow over. And I realized that that little drip adds up over time. And then in the course of a day, it's fill, I could easily fill up five, six cups of water just off of one little drip over the course of time. And that's what the Bible teaches us is that, you know, you may catch a break, you may get some money quick, but the best way to gain wealth, to gain a retirement, a nice nest egg that you can work off of in your years after you work, um, is to accumulate it little by little. And Proverbs also goes on and tells us, plan carefully and you will have plenty, but if you act too quickly, you'll never have enough. And so we need to plan carefully and have a plan to accumulate little by little. Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. We hope this message has been an encouragement to you. I know it has been to others. I recently received a message from a listener of ours who said, Thank you for these messages on Hope for the Day. It is encouraging and refreshing to hear biblical-centered teaching that continually points people to Christ. This is one of the several notes that I've received from people that are blessed by our program. That is why we want to continue this program on the radio, but that can only happen through the generous contributions of listeners like yourself. If you'd like to partner with us financially, just go to Valley View Christian Church's website, valleyviewcc.com, and then click on the gift tab there. Once you click on the tab, just designate a gift to go to the radio ministry of Hope for the Day. Your gift would be an incredible blessing to this ministry. And as always, we want to meet you personally as well. That is why if you live in the Denver metropolitan area, we want to extend an invitation to you to visit us in person at one of our Sunday services, 9 and 10.30 a.m. If you do, please introduce yourself to me, Philip Holland. I'd love to meet you. Now let's get back to the program. Now getting back to our story. So he's on track, all right? I hope you didn't read ahead, all right? And, and this man is very, very wealthy. And the Bible doesn't condemn wealth. In fact, Abraham would be a millionaire by today's standards. Job, David, Solomon, they would be some of the wealthiest people in our world today, in fact. And so the Bible doesn't condemn the wealth. It just challenges us to honor God with it. And this guy, he struggled with that. It wasn't about honoring God. It was about honoring himself. He said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns. I'll build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. I will say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for themselves, for himself, but is not rich toward God. And so what, we, what we're getting challenged here with is, is with our motives. What we're getting challenged here with is, is where are you investing in the temporary or the internal? What we're getting here is some warnings, um, some things that we need to be aware of so we don't mishandle what God has given us. And so some warnings to avoid mishandling the money. Number one, Jesus teaches us is maintain healthy 
motives. You see, this guy was all about himself. He was like, I will, I will, I will, I will. I will build a bigger barn and I'll do this and I'll do this. I mean, he just had unhealthy motives for what it was that he was doing. I mean, it was all about him and it was about having more. And so how do we know if we have unhealthy motives? How do we know? Well, look at this verse again. He said, I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones and there I will store my surplus grain. So he's greedy. The point wasn't, the problem wasn't that he was prosperous. Where he goes wrong is he said, I will, st- I will, I will store my surplus grain for myself. You know, some of you, um, some of you, you have more money than you can spend. You just add up the interest and, and you figure out where your bills are. You'll never be able to spend the money you have. And, and when that's you, what I want to encourage you with or challenge you with is, is that you got to reflect and evaluate and examine how, what are you going to do with that and how can you use some of that to honor God? So that's where he goes wrong. And so the first thing is, first wrong motive is our greed. We have to be careful that we're not being greedy with what it is that we have been given. And then let's get back to the text here. He says, and I'll say to myself that you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. And so the second motive that we go wrong on is fear for the future. You see, he's worried about many years to come. Where's his faith? His faith is in his savings. It's in a retirement account. It's in those barns. It's not in God. And the challenge is that we have to have, keep our faith in its proper place. And then he said, take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. And so other motives where we can go wrong here that we see this is indulgence, pride, envy. You know, where you go wrong with money is when you want to just indulge yourself with more vacations and more things and, and more drinks and, and more alcohol and more food. It's all, all indulging. It's all about satisfying your pleasures and your desires. It's pride. It's, I'm going to prove to them. I'm going to accumulate this wealth to prove to them that they were wrong about me. It's envy. It's like, I'm going to accumulate wealth because I want to have as much as they have. I want to have more than they have. And that's, so we have to have, we have to maintain healthy motives. And you want to know what the best motive for having wealth is? It's not to get it, it's to give it. And that's really, I would say, probably about the only motive that we know is absolutely healthy to have. And the text goes on, but God said to him, you fool, this very night, your life will be demanded from you then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Who's going to get it? Not you. You're gone. And this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. And so the second way that we can avoid mishandling money is to invest in the eternal. The Bible is is very interesting. You know, again, the Bible doesn't tell you that... um, you know, accumulating wealth and investing in stocks and different accounts and funds is wrong. It's just saying that what it really teaches is that if you're going to invest into this world, it's just not a good investment. Yeah, it may be the American dream, but it's not God's dream. And he's saying like, if you're going to invest in something, don't invest in the temporary, invest in the eternal. And one of the things that Laura and I have committed to through almost 12 years of marriage is we've always invested more in God's kingdom um, than we have in this worldly kingdom. We've invested more in the eternal than we have in the temporary. And what I want to encourage and challenge all of you with is as, as we wrap this up today is um, 
is to take a moment and to evaluate your finances and to say, you know, how can we, are we accumulating little by little? Because you should have that, that, that automation in place where you're getting a little bit taken out of your check. You should be attacking debt if you've got it and not allowing that, that interest to compound against you negatively. And I just want to encourage you to give back to God. And I would specifically want to encourage you to, what would it take for you to give one more percent to God? Just evaluate it. You know, I don't know where you're at. I don't know where you are. Maybe you give more than 10%. Maybe you give a lot less than 10% to just say one more percent. For most of you, that's 50 to $150. And I'll tell you something, 50 to $150, if you were to give that to this church, um, you know, it's probably not going to change the trajectory of this church, but it will change the trajectory of your faith. It will absolutely do that. And if we can pull together enough of that, then we can start to make some of that difference that I talked to you about earlier. And so where the text ends is a focus on the eternal. And where we need to end is a focus on Jesus. Because the reason that we give, the reason that we are generous is because God was generous to us. And as one person said, you're never more like God than when you're giving. Because God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that who shall ever believe in him will not perish, but have eternal life. And so embrace that gift of Jesus if you haven't already done so. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, I just pray for those who are listening and watching, Father, that they would take their whole life into that water of baptism and that the old would be gone and the new would come. And Lord, that you would influence and impact every area of their life, specifically their finances. And God, we pray that if they are being faithful to you, Lord, that you would rain out blessing and favor upon them so that they can continue to be more faithful to you. And for those here, Lord, that are just looking for that break, that are trying to catch a break, I pray that they would catch it. And I pray that they would give you glory and honor for it. And God, may we all honor you more and more with our lives in Jesus' name. To learn more about this sermon, sermon series, or other messages, please visit our church's website at valleyviewcc.com. You can also find these radio segments on the Hope for the Day, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Valley View Christian Church is located just south of Highlands Ranch off of Highway 85, Santa Fe. We provide services at 9 and 10.30 a.m. every Sunday. This broadcast is made possible through generous contributions of listeners like you. If you'd like to partner with us financially, just go to our church's website and then click on the gift tab there. We look forward to having you join us again next time on Hope for the Day.